Close to thee. We need that more than ever right now in our world. To be close to Jesus. It's, you know, whether you like wearing a mask or don't like wearing a mask, or whether you like the... the, mandates coming down the line or whether you don't like them we need to be close to jesus and not that that's going to change much in the world but it'll change our attitude toward it it'll change our level of anxiety toward what's going on and it'll change our level of peace and joy i mean um there is a lot going on that we don't like whether uh you know as christians but when we stay close to jesus he changes our our attitude toward that and he um, gives us a per, uh, the right perspective, the right priorities on, on what we should be um, really fretting about. Um, I, was, I mentioned that on, on Sunday in Sunday school, but uh, Sarah and I were talking on the way here on Sunday, and she was reading uh, Psalm 18, and, and it's David talking about, um, you know, why are the wicked getting away with all this? And, and, and she said, Boy, isn't that so relevant? And, and, I, and this was a conversation we had. I said, I, I think it's always relevant. God's word is relevant to our daily lives. And it's unfortunate that it takes going through some of this that we end up going through in order for us to see that. But if we would let God open our eyes to the scripture and truly be open-minded and open-hearted when we're reading, God's word is always true. Those things are always relevant. And uh, But sometimes he puts us through, through these temptations, these trials to open our eyes to that fact. But turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. Um, and that is not, that is just going to be a verse that we start with and we'll, we'll be turning all over the place. I don't really have a text uh, verse tonight because of the nature of the lesson, but uh, we will definitely use that verse uh, to start with. But have you ever wondered, how do I know if this is the right decision that I'm about to make in my life? I know you have, because I have. I feel like I'm a pretty normal person. That's debatable. But you wonder, am I, what I'm about to do, is this the right decision? And that could even be, you know, buying a house or buying a car. Um, and what do what do we always say? Well... Bible has all the answers. Bible has the answers about what house to buy, does it? Um, and so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, and just to answer that question real quick before I move on, the Bible has a whole lot of principles about stewardship, about wisdom with your money, and all the rest of that. So no, it doesn't tell you don't buy the house at address whatever, but, it, but God gives us principles as to whether it's wise to use our money in that way or not. Uh, so, yes, the Bible does have the answer for everything, uh, every decision we need to make. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. But <clears throat> um, anything not spelled out in Scripture, we kind of, I just kind of mentioned this, but anything not spelled out specifically in Scripture, uh, some of those things would be drinking alcohol. The Bible specifically talks about that. Um, uh you know, homosexuality, the Bible specifically talks about that. But any, anything that the Bible doesn't talk about, and it's not just sin, uh, anything in our lives that's not specifically mentioned in the Bible, there are a lot of principles that are mentioned in the Bible that refer to uh, some of those decisions that you need to make. 
But what we're going to talk about tonight then is how does God communicate truth to believers? How does he communicate truth? And by truth, I don't just mean uh, the truths doctrinally, but truth uh, in general. So when it comes to what's going on in our world today, how do I know what the right what the right side to land on is just because this uh, the Republicans or the Democrats are saying this, then I'm going to land on the opposite side. How do we know what the right side to land on is in any situation? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. How does God communicate that truth to believers? First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 says this. For this cause, also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Um, the Bible is our sole authority on everything uh, that we do. Uh, this is how it's normally said. The Bible is uh, the sole authority for faith and practice. So faith, which is the doctrines that we believe uh, from the Bible, because how do we... Uh, how do we have so many weird doctrines that people come up with? They're not, they're coming up with them in their minds and then going through the Bible and looking for a verse that kind of sort of matches it. That's how they come up with these, with weird doctrines. But when it, when we say the sole authority for faith and practice, that's talking about everything in our lives. So we're going to talk about that tonight. Let's pray and then we'll get into this lesson. Father, I thank you for this day you've given us. God, I pray that you would uh, use me tonight and only the way that you can. God, I know it's, it's uh, something that you've given me from your word. God, I pray that you'd help me to be able to uh, make it make sense to your people. And uh, God, I pray that you would uh, help us to get something from your word. Very practical tonight about how do we make decisions and know that they're based on your word or how do we know that they're the right decisions. God, I do pray that you would uh, be with Pastor and his family as they're away, that you'd give them safety as they come back, that you'd give them a, a good time with family. And uh, God, I just pray that you would help him as he leads this church through this uh, crazy time in our country, that you'd give him the wisdom he needs and the power and the messages that we need uh, as he preaches to us. Pray that you give us a good night around your word tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Have you ever been uh, in this situation, whether you were the child or you were the parent that the child came to, uh, when... One of your kids uh, came to mom and said, Mom, can I go outside and play with, the, with the, my friends down the street? And she said, for whatever reason, no, whether you were the mom or the kid asking mom, uh, no, we're going to eat dinner, or no, you got chores to do, or no, you got your homework to do, or whatever. And what's the next thing that kid does? Now, this usually happens about one time per child because of the consequences, but... That kid goes and finds dad outside, maybe in the garage or whatever, and he says, Dad, can I go down the street and play with my friends? And dad says, I don't care. Off he goes, play, plays with his friends, right? Um, and this is kind of what we're going to talk about tonight. We have two authorities, but they conflicted. But not knowingly, we manipulated them to make them conflict, right? Um, so, of course, a few minutes later, you hear a name call. <laughs> from all the way at the porch we'll use Emma Emma and she knows right away uh oh they talked now I'm in trouble 
because when those authorities actually came together, there wasn't a conflict. You just, you manipulated them and, and made there be a conflict. And that's um, what we do often, I think, in our lives. The Bible will say one thing. We go to maybe a pastor or a, or a friend, usually. Hopefully not your pastor. Hopefully he's got the right answer for you. But maybe a friend and they say, well, you know, you got to follow your heart. And all right, well, that makes sense. And, and we're going to talk about this because the Bible is not the only way that God leads us into certain decisions. And, and that almost sounds uh, contradictory to what I just said, that the, the Bible is the sole authority for faith and practice. But if, if it's not laid out step by step in Scripture, we have to come to a decision somehow. And God uses different things in our lives to, to help us make those uh, decisions. Now, um, so the first, we're going to talk about this. The first, the first and sole authority is the Bible. Um, in Christian circles, or Protestant circles, I guess, more, more like, because we don't really use this hardly ever, is a, is a phrase called sola scriptura. And, and it literally means the Bible is the, final and o- is the final authority and the only infallible source of authority for our faith. In practice, so we could say, as we already did, the Bible is the ultimate authority. That's what sola scriptura means, and it's uh, Latin, and it comes from a long, from a long time ago. But th- that's what it was. The Bible is the sole authority for faith and practice. Let's talk about the Bible real quick, and and uh, you can holler these uh, answers out if you want. The Bible is a collection of how many books? Sixty-six books. It's made up of history poetry, personal letters that Paul wrote, or not just Paul, but that uh, apostles wrote to people, uh, letters to churches, mostly from Paul, as he wrote back to these churches that he had started on his missionary journeys. And what those letters were was, like, say, he, to the church at Corinth. He would write that letter to Corinth, and then that, church, that letter would get passed around to all the churches that he started, and they would all glean doctrine from those uh, Letters and obviously we still get doctrine from them today because we have them in, in our Bible. Um, but their letters to churches, their genealogies, which sometimes the genealogies you only have 66 books. This is all that you had. Why would God put those in the Bible? But but um, when you get to where it's talking about you know Jesus came from the lineage of David and you can go back to the Old Testament and see that lineage going through. I did a paper one time and now I'm getting on a rabbit trail, but. I did a paper one time that it talked about um, that Jesus would come from a, uh, or, or uh, David, that from Judah's line, the king of Israel would come. Well, at that time, they were just the tribes, remember? And, and so um, Judah, remember, um, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get names mixed up and thing, but Judah uh, went with a harlot, and God cursed him for that. And he said to the, to the 10th generation, I'm not going to let your line be king, be, it, be uh, royalty. Do you know, and I did a paper on this, so I had it all studied out, and I didn't, didn't reread it or anything, but King Saul was the ninth generation uh, from that time. And what did God say to King Saul? He said, I've, I've cut your line off from being king. Had the children of Israel waited one more generation and got to David, that was God's timing. 
But they, they jumped the gun. We want a king. Everybody else has a king. We want a king. And that was the ninth generation from Judah. Um, it's very interesting. But that's part of the reason why we have these genealogies and things like that. Um, because it all, all meshes together if, if you go back and look. But the oldest book of the Bible is, is from about 1,500 years before Christ. And then the last book uh, dates to the end of the first century. Um, all 66 books were added as the canon. None have been added since those 66 books were, were put together in a compilation. And we don't intend to, to add any more. The Catholics have the Apocrypha, and they uh, think that there are extra uh, books that were added later to the Bible. But um, we also know this. The Bible is divided into, I'm going to get our two kids to answer this. The Bible is divided into two parts. The, do you know Johan? What's the first part of the Bible? The Old Testament. Emma, what's the second part? The New Testament. So we have the Old and the New Testament. Uh, the Old Testament primarily focuses on the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. Um, talks about Abraham, and we're going somewhere with this. I know you know a lot of these, these facts. Um, but the Old Testament talks about Abraham and how God would promise this, uh, his redeemer through Abraham's seed. And then we get to the New Testament. Uh, it gives us the Messiah being born and, and how important he is to the Jewish people and all the rest of that. Um, the Israelites didn't know what they were looking for. The Jewish people didn't know what they were looking for exactly in the Messiah, but they knew he was coming and they knew that he was going to redeem their people. Unfortunately, when the Messiah did come, a lot of them missed it, right? It'd be like waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for something to come to your house. It comes to your house Somebody takes it, and you missed it. You, you never see it. You didn't know it came, and you're still looking for it. And, you know, in the Jews' uh, situation, maybe somebody comes to your house and says, I saw it on your porch. It was there. Somebody must have took it. And you go, no, nah, it wasn't. You know, it never showed up. That's what happened with the Jews. They're, Jesus is standing in front of them saying, I am the Messiah. I am the one you've been looking for. And they say, "Nah, he's a blasphemer. And they crucified him. Um, but that's what the, the New Testament is. Um, the Old Testament covers thousands of years. The New Testament covers between 75 and 100 years. Uh, it's very uh, compact and, and has a very specific message for us. But through sending his son, which was God in the flesh, to take the punishment for our sins, um, the New Testament is an account of this sacrifice and the implications that it should have on our lives. So it's the New Testament is the Messiah coming, dying for us on the cross, and then how that should change our lives, how, it, how we should be living. Um, <clears throat> the Bible is a story of what we are to believe concerning God, uh, including the fall of man, the salvation of man. And I used to, when I had the bus route, um, in Gary, Indiana, I used to tell the kids all the time that the Bible is an instruction book for us on how to live our lives. If, as we often do, you try to put something together without the instructions, we often make, make a mess of it, right? And we have to go back to the instruction book and, man, where did that screw go? Uh, that's how it is in our lives. So if we're not reading the instruction book, and we'll talk about this at the very end, if we're not reading this instruction book that God gave us to live our lives, how do you know 
how to live your life. And so, you know, you'll have people sometimes, uh, you know, I'm just going to, you know, do, make this decision and go with it and hope for the best. We don't have to do that. God tells us what to do, but we're not reading the instructions so often. So, uh, <clears throat> when God gave us the Bible, it was literally, it's a, it's a Greek word called theopneustos. It literally means God breathed, uh, which is where we get our word inspiration. God breathed these words, uh, and what that means is he gave these he gave the, the writers exactly, and I was telling Scotty this before church, right before, over 40 writers over the course of several thousand years wrote the Bible. And you can go through the entire Bible and there's not one, uh, uh, there's not one place in the Bible where it contradicts itself. Sometimes it seems like it does. But not one place in the Bible does it contradict itself. How can you have a couple thousand years, 40-some writers, and never once do they contradict it? Many of them never knew each other. They didn't get together and, and you know, uh, conspire what they were going to write. God breathed into them what he wanted them to say. And that almost sounds weird, but all that, all that means is he said... This is what I want you to write. This is what I want you to say. But then he would let the writer say it in their own way. For example, in the Gospels, you have Matthew. Matthew saw the same story that Luke and John and the rest did, but he wrote it in his own, with his own personality uh, from his own point of view. Luke did the same thing. Luke was a doctor, so Luke writes from that point of view. Matthew was a lawyer, so he writes from that point of view. Peter was a fisherman, so often he writes from that point of view. David was a shepherd, so you'll see him often referring to sheep and, and fields and nature and the rest of that. Uh, so, But God gave them what to write and then allowed them in their own way to write it. 2 Timothy 3, chapter 16, I mean, chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, or instruction in righteousness. So what is the purpose of God's word? It's for our correction, for our reproof, for our instruction in righteousness. So the Bible equips us for every good work that God expects us to do. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move along here because we have four more ways that God uh, leads us, how he communicates truth to us. Um, and we're going to get right into the second one now. Reason. Reason is another way that God communicates truth to us. God gives, gave us our minds, and he intends for us to use them well. Uh, here's the definition of reason. Reason is the human capacity and inclination toward rational, logical, and analytical thought. So we'll, I'll give you an example. You see a man going down the street with a pair of crutches, his leg in a cast, and a hat that says, Ski Colorado. What's the first thing you think probably happened to this man? He was skiing, probably in Colorado somewhere, and broke his leg skiing, right? That, that would be the rational thought that most people would have. Um, in a Christian's life, God has given us the ability to think, reason, and draw conclusions. Um, but our abilities, our reasoning abilities are not perfect. So... Um, 
Even though he gave us this mind to reason, reason is not the final authority on, on what we should believe. Uh, for example, if you are reading in Genesis chapter 1, and um, you read God created the, the earth in seven literal days, and he spoke it all into existence, and in your mind you go, that's impossible. Nobody can do that. Your reason is not the final authority. God's word it becomes the final authority. Just like when we had mom and dad who had who conflicted. When and typically this was the way it was in our house. <clears throat> After that, my dad would say, "Hey, Dad, can we go down to? We we actually lived next to a farmer named McDonald. <laughs> believe it or not. And and uh, Dad, can we go down to the McDonald's and play? And he'd say, "Ask mom." He was making that final authority mom. Or he would say, did you ask mom already? Yeah, what'd she say? Well, she said we had to do our chores first. Did you get your chores done? Yeah, all right, you can go. So we cannot take reason. This is, that was why I used that example at the beginning is if, if two authorities conflict, our reason doesn't match God's word. Remember sola scriptura, then God's word becomes the final authority. Just because you don't understand it, doesn't mean, mean that God's word is incorrect. Um, <clears throat> but God does, also doesn't ex expect us to, you know, check our brains at the door and, oh, I'm a Christian now. I'm not allowed to think for myself anymore. Um, and I'll give you an example of that. Turn to Isaiah chapter 44. Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 19. When the Israelites were worshiping gods that they had made out of wood from trees, this is what... Isaiah chapter 44 is talking about. Isaiah corrects them and says, what in the world are you doing? It's not rational. Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 19 says this, uh, and none considereth in his heart, neither is there knowledge nor understanding to say, I have burned part of it in the fire. Yea, also I have baked bread upon the coals thereof. I have roasted flesh and eaten it. And shall I make the re residue thereof an abomination? Shall I fall down to the stock of a tree? What he's saying is, you took this piece of wood, you built a fire with part of it and, and cooked your food on it, and then another part of it, you, uh, well, in 19, he says, uh, you burned part of it, you baked on it, you roasted flesh and ate of it, and then the, what's left over, you turned into an idol, you carved an idol out of it, and you're going to worship it? Where's the reason there? So the reason God gives us the ability to reason is so that if we have something in the world or we have a religion telling us one thing, we can go, that doesn't make any sense. Why would anybody do that? And then we can go to the Bible and see if it matches up. So we always take these authorities that God gives us, these uh, abilities, these ways that he communi communicates truth, but we always match them up to God's word. But reason is a way for us uh, to find out what God wants us to do. And going back to our example of the, uh, the man with the crutches with the ski Colorado hat, reason is not perfect because often we don't have all of the facts. So if you found out that somebody that knew this man and they said, oh, no, no, no. I mean, I think his brother gave him that hat and he tore his ACL in a car accident. Our reasoning abilities that we thought, well, obviously he's wearing a ski hat and he broke his leg, he must have broke it skiing. Our reason, we didn't have all the facts. And so 
our reason cannot be the ultimate authority. God's word does have all the facts. It has God-breathed wisdom into it, or in it, and so we go back to that as the final authority. Just because I can't understand fully the Trinity or the eternality of God doesn't mean that it's not truth because God's word says that it is. It talks about the Trinity many places. It talks about God being an eternal God, no beginning, no ending. That makes no sense to us. But just because we can't reason that doesn't mean it's not true. We go back to the, the Bible as the sole authority. Another way God gives us, uh, communicates truth to us, to us is through experience. And I hope that I'm making sense to, to you we can't, um, as we go through, you'll see, but God doesn't speak to us anymore in literal, literal voices. Um, we have to make decisions throughout our life that they're not laid out in the Bible. How do we know what we're supposed to do? And that's what we're talking about. We, reason is one of them. Another one is experience. God wants to lead us through our experiences. Um, as a disciple, you can see God's hand in many situations of life. Uh, but, but there is a warning, be careful. Um, and here's the definition of experience. Experience is information that comes through direct encounter, participation, or observation. So uh, as a Christian, we should expect to have God we should expect God encounters in our life. And I know that sounds very neo, but we should expect God to show up in our lives at points. Uh, we talk often about, you know, well, the door was closed or we hear that anyways. The door was closed. So, I, you know, God didn't want us to do it or the door was open. So obviously that's what God wants us to do. Those are the experiences that God gives us. Um, and I already mentioned this, but for, for as an example, the Bible may tell us nothing beyond beyond just general stewardship principles about whether or not we should take a certain job or whether or not we should buy a certain house or a certain car and so we take those stewardship principles and we decide if that's the right thing we should do and there is nothing wrong with praying about it i had a friend and uh not growing up i guess we were already both of us were already married and all the rest of that but he went to the pastor and asked him Hey, I'm looking at buying this house. You think I should buy it? The pastor was like, I'm not, a, I'm not a realtor. I mean, if it's a good deal and, it, and there's no issues with the house, you know, go ahead, whatever. We don't need to go to the pastor for those kind of uh, uh, decisions. We can. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. But, but God gives us reason and experience so that we can make those decisions. There's nothing in the Bible that's going to tell you whether or not to buy this house. But he gives us wisdom uh, in these situations, most of the time through experience. So I'll give you another example. When, when our pastor was getting ready to start this church, I remember him looking for a building. Um, what's the, what's uh, Jeremy Rowland uh, helped us get the church started? And what I mean by that is he didn't really. Uh, he helped us find a building, and he helped us with literature, and he helped us with what you know the steps legally and and all the rest of that to to get the the church started. But if when pastor was getting ready to start this church, he did not pray uh, or, or look through the Bible looking for an exact address of where we were going to start the church. So how do you find a building? How do you know which building is the right one? Um, through experiences, through connections that we make 
uh, as we go through this world. God is a God of history. He did not uh, write the Bible, set, set the world in motion, and then just sat back and let it go. That's, that's what um, agnostics believe. So there's uh, atheists and then there's agnostics. Agnostics believe there is a God, but he's completely taken his hands off the world. He set it in motion and just let it go. That, and that's not true. God very much has dealings in our lives all the time, every day. And we should be looking for those. We should be praying that he'll make it clear to us uh, through our experiences that um, what he wants us to do. Um, experience is the same way as reason. It can be misinterpreted. Um, when, I was, when I was praying about whether or not I should marry my wife, we were dating, it would have been a foolish thing to you know, be sitting in the, in the dorm and say, God, if if you want me to marry Sarah, the next person that comes through that door, make him be such and such, whoever. And if, it, if you don't want me to marry her, make it be this guy. That'd be a, a crazy way to live your life. And, and some people say, well, I, I want to see a sign. I want to see a sign. But uh, if every decision you made was that way, you'd have a crazy life because the, you go to statistics, you know. It, the chances of this happening as opposed to this happening. Um, so that that's, we can't live our entire life based on experience, uh, but but God wants us to use uh, experience in our lives to make decisions. Uh, for example, when I'm praying about, God, do you want me to marry Sarah as, and make her my wife? I can look through the Bible and see all kinds of... She's a Christian girl. Okay, that's a that's a good step. If she's not a Christian, I shouldn't marry her to begin with. Uh, you know, you can look through uh, Proverbs thirty-one, see if she has some of the qualities that that God says a Christian woman should have. Things like that. That's the experience that we use, and and then we we take our experiences and we place them next to Scripture. If and we'll get this to, to this in a in a minute. Actually, we'll go right into it. Emotions. So take a this is the definition of emotions. emotions. Emotions are subjectively experienced psychological feelings. Um, and often it's looked down upon to make a decision based on emotions. It's, it's looked down on as not, not being the manly thing to do. But God gave us emotions. Um, in in uh, John chapter 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send them unto you. And then verse 8 says this. When he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Basically saying, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to convict you. Conviction is an emotion that we have. And we make big decisions based on that conviction. Uh, if God convicts our hearts in a message, we come forward, we get it right with him, and we make those changes in our life. That's an emotion that God expects us to use to make a decision in our life. Um, uh, conviction is a... Is a uh, is an emotion. There's all kinds of, of other emotions that God gives us. But so going back to the, the example of marriage, if I say I think I've found my soulmate, this is who I'm supposed to marry, and she's not a Christian, it's a very simple decision. You're not supposed to marry her <laughs> because it doesn't line up with the Bible. The Bible talks about in 2 Corinthians 6. 14, that unbelievers are not supposed to be unequally, I mean, believers are not supposed to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. 
It's a very simple decision at that point. Um, and if it doesn't match scripture, your emotions are wrong. Sola Scriptura, the, the scripture is the final authority for faith and practice. Um, the Bible is the final arbiter of truth and has authority over your emotions. Um, then the last thing that we're going to look at is tradition, the last way that God um, communicates tr truth to us. And by tradition, I mean this. Um, those who have gone before us is a very good way to look at it. Now, take the Catholic Church, and they base almost all of their religion, uh, their entire religion, on tradition. This is the way it's always been done. Don't even look at the Bible. This is the way it's always been done. This is how we're going to do it. Uh, penance, the rest of the rest, all the rest of those things. But there is something to tradition. Uh, a quick example: If somebody walked in here tonight and said, "Hey, last night." I was reading my Bible, and I came. I found this thing that I've never heard preached before. Look at this in, in the Bible. And he shows us something that, you know, maybe it's a, it might be an abstract uh, passage, or it might be one we know well. But he says, this is, the, this is the interpretation I came up with, and nobody in the history of Christianity has ever come to that conclusion from that verse, is probably incorrect. Because the Holy Spirit leads has led men of God for years, and if not a single one of them has ever come to that conclusion, it's probably not, not correct. And that's what I mean by tradition. But there are also doctrines that maybe are hard to be understood, things hard to be understood in the Bible, that if you're not careful and you don't know God's word and you don't know, um, maybe one verse seems like it says something kind of like we, we saw uh, in Second Corinthians, I think it's Second Corinthians 14. Uh, when we're talking about tongues with the Pentecostals, um, where it says, you know, well, we'll go there real quick because I'm, I'm going to butcher the verse. But 2 Corinthians chapter 14, I believe, is where we've been the last couple Sunday nights. Yep, it's not 2 Corinthians 14. It must be 1 Corinthians. There's not a 2 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14... Verse 2. Yeah. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. Nobody understands this language that he's speaking. If you don't know what the rest of the Bible says, it, might, it, it, it could be easy to come up with. It must be a language that only God understands. And that's where the, all the babbling comes from. But when you look at tradition and you look back at other Baptist preachers and Baptist uh, uh, Men of God, theologians that have looked at that verse and compared it all the way through the scriptures and said, no, 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 that's not, that's not babbling. That's, you know, speaking mysteries, as, as Pastor mentioned, mysteries from the Old Testament that people didn't understand. And they finally uh, explained what they were in the New Testament. That's what that's talking about. So tradition is a very good authority, a way to communicate truth to us, but it's not. It's also not ultimate. Look at the Catholic Church. If we just went on tradition, we would never have, of course, we didn't leave the, the Catholic Church, but nobody would ever leave the Catholic Church. Luther and all the rest of them, they would have said, well, tradition is that we got to go with tradition. Sola Scriptura. We go back to, if it doesn't match what the Bible says, it doesn't matter how many men down the ages have come up with that. It's not right. 
So it's, it's a good way to, um, for, for example, a lot of times we'll go to commentaries when we're studying, right? Because it might be a passage that you're like, man, I just don't understand what that's talking about. You go to a good commentary that we trust, uh, maybe Matthew Henry or one of these guys, and you read on it and go, oh, okay, well, that, make, that makes sense. Um, but if Matthew Henry explains a verse a certain way and it doesn't match up with the rest of Scripture, we can't just take that as, oh, he, he said that's what it was. We have to go back to the Scriptures. So we're going to go back to Sola Scriptura for just a minute, and then we'll close. Um, and I wrote this down. We have many sources of authority in our lives. In addition to emotions, experience, reason, and tradition, we also have pastors, parents, people in authority in our lives to help us make decisions. But that's not to say that if you have a parent that, whether they're in church or not, and they say, yeah, I think it's fine to marry that girl. If you love her, you've got to follow your heart. And the Bible says, no, you're not supposed to marry someone that's unsaved. Then you can't even follow the, the um, advice of your parents. You have to go back to Scripture. But God gives us pastors and parents and, and the rest to help us in making those decisions. Um, in the book of Acts, shortly after Christ ascended into heaven, the apostles were taken, uh, taken into custody by the, by the authorities. And this is what they said. They were told, don't preach anymore. You're going to suffer, suffer the legal consequences. In Acts chapter 4, verse 19, they said this. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. We cannot speak but the things which we have seen and heard. And then it's also interesting that uh, even the Apostle Paul, the Berean, the Berean Christians, remember uh, in Acts chapter 17, Paul commends them because after he preached, they would go back to the scriptures and see if what Paul preached was true. And our pastor has said that before. If, if you find something that I'm preaching and it doesn't match what the Bible says, I'll change it. Because even the pastor is not the final authority uh, on what we should believe and what we should practice. The Bible is. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes that's how pastors do get that get that way. I, I am the final say-so. You'll obey what I say no matter what. Uh, I'll give you a quick story. When, I'm not going to tell you the church or anything like that where it was at. But I had a friend that came to college with me. And he said uh, he was at a college. He transferred. So he was there for like a year, year and a half. And then transferred to the college that I was at. And he said, you wouldn't believe he was telling me a story about the, the, the president of the, of the college. He went in there one time and, and what this guy had preached in a chapel or something like that. He said, I had my Bible open just like this. And I, I turned it toward him and, it, and I said, what you preached is not right. The Bible says right here. And the guy went just like that. I don't care what it says. You'll obey what I say. That, that's not the final authority. And so... Literally, I think he left in the middle of a semester because he was like, I can't sit under that because the Bible is the final authority, not a pastor, uh, not a tradition, not our reasoning, not our rationale, not our emotions. The Bible, God uses a lot of those things, but if they don't, as, a, as our first example uh, showed, if the two authorities don't match up, the Bible is the final authority. Uh, and I'm going to close. I'm going to read this last statement that I that I wrote and then we'll close as a christian disciple you must re build re a respect for all the authorities that god has given 
Yes, God is the ultimate authority in your life, but the ultimate way in which God has chosen to communicate his authority is through the scriptures. And here's the key takeaway from all of this. If the, if the scripture is the key, the final authority to everything that we do, we have to know what it says. Every time you go to make a decision, you're not going to go through all 66 books of the Bible and try to find an answer. Man, how am I supposed to make a decision by tomorrow? I don't know what it says. We have to study it. We have to meditate on it. We have to be in church so we can hear messages preached and know what the Bible says on different issues so that we can make those decisions. Back to what I said at the beginning. If this is the instruction book of life, we got to read it. We have to read it to know what God expects us to do. And if we're not reading it, we can't complain when we make foolish decisions based on our emotions and our rationale and our experiences. We can't we can't be but so upset when we make these decisions that, you know, make our life a mess when we haven't been reading God's word and making this our final authority. God uses different ways to communicate truth to us, but we got to know what the Bible says so that we can make good decisions. Um, no matter who tells us what we should do, match it up to the Bible. And if it, and if it matches the Bible, by all means, do it. But if it doesn't, we've got to follow what, what the Bible says. Sola Scriptura. That's the way God communicates his truth to us. All right, let's pray, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, I thank you for this day you've given us. God, I, I pray that what we've talked about tonight makes sense. God, I pray that uh, it wouldn't be a lot of words with uh, very little meaning. I pray that uh, we would understand that you use different things in our lives to help us make good decisions. You gave us a pastor for a reason, that if we get into a pinch, we can go to him under, with the understanding that he knows your word and can help us make a good decision. But God, anywhere in life that something doesn't match up to your word, I pray that you would give us the uh, wisdom, the forethought to follow what your word says, regardless of what our emotions are feeling or what other people are saying we should do. I pray that we would look to your word. And God, I also pray that we would know what it says. That's why we're learning these verses, memorizing them, hiding your, your word in our hearts so that when something comes up, we can very quickly be able to uh, decide if it's, if it's right or if it's wrong. We can very quickly make decisions because we know what your word says. And God, I just pray that you would help us to be students of, of your word, that we would um, daily be in your word we would be meditating on it that we would be um, making it our sole authority for our faith and our practice and that you would be glorified when, when we make those decisions God I pray that you would be with us as we go through the rest of our week uh, give us safety at work God I pray that you would bring us back here safely on Sunday to worship you and I pray that you bring our pastor and his family back here safely as well Pray that you give us a good night tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.